you can't hear me, can you be polite and tell me? <laughs> and uh, if you want me to slow down, everyone can hear me okay? Cool, brilliant. All right. Um, tēnā koutou katoa, ko ihu karaiti te ariki, ko Becca toku hoa rangatira, uh, ko Lucy, Raua, ko Evelyn, ko Elliot, ko Toby, aku tamariki, uh, ko Matt, toku ingoa. Tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, tēnā tātou katoa. Um, so we are carrying on our discipleship series this morning. So as I get myself sorted, um, that's where we're at. And uh, we're going to be looking at Paul's second letter to Timothy. Uh, so if you have your Bible or your app, whatever, then um, that's where we'll be. I've been hanging out in Second Timothy for, I don't know, two or three weeks now, and I've really been inspired by it. And, and I, love, I love reading the Word, and I love reading about real-life people. I, I love the biographical nature of the Bible. You know, as you're reading this letter, all you've got to understand is you're not reading some creed or theological statement you are reading a letter from one bloke to another. This is history. This is real life. You're reading a letter from a father to a son. And he wants to share some counsel and some wisdom on, on how to walk out life as a disciple. And, uh, and I get really excited by that. I mean, this is, this is good stuff. This isn't just theory. Um, and, uh, and I've been learning a lot from it. So what we're going to do this morning is work through two or three passages from 2 Timothy, and we're going to see what, what, we can, what we can learn. And actually, in the back of some of the prophetic words coming through this morning, I think it's a timely word as well. Um, what we'll see is that the Apostle Paul encourages this young man, Timothy, to be strong in the truth, to be strong in the word of God, that is, and to be reliant on the Holy Spirit. Because he finds himself with a prophetic calling that feels well beyond himself. And the question is, how is he going to answer that? How is he going to approach that? You know, so Lawrence comes up this morning and prophesies a big word, and we're like, how are we going to approach that? How are we going to walk through that next year? Or the prophetic calling that you have, it's like, well, that feels too big, Lord. This advice from Paul to Timothy is exactly what you need and exactly what we need this morning. Amen? And uh, if, I guess the first question we ask is, who were Paul and Timothy. Um, so just let's ask that question first. Uh, verse 2 to 5 of chapter 1. Timothy, my dear son, night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers, recalling your tears. I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. So this is Paul writing, the famous Apostle Paul. He's probably an older man now, uh, you know, like a really old guy, like maybe in his 50s or something like that. Or so. Oh, no, no, kidding, joke, sorry. <laughs> Start dodging stuff. Um, no, no, he's probably in his 70s or 80s now, um, a mature man. And, um, and uh, he's been on the road traveling for a good 30 years now. Problem is he's in prison, and this is he finds himself in prison quite a lot. But this is one of the worst imprisonments. Uh, he's he's chained. We know that he's probably in in an underground dungeon somewhere in Rome. All right, not not really the life to live. In fact, one of his friends tries to find him. Really has to search diligently just to find this guy. Um, and if you read the letter, you can see he's probably cold, lonely, bored, and deserted. 
And so that is the great Apostle Paul, how he finishes his race. But he is steadfast, and he is full of hope and full of joy that God is at work in him. Uh, And so sometimes, despite appearances, we trust in God, don't we? Um, Tradition says that he was probably uh, beheaded um, not long after he wrote this letter, somewhere outside of Rome, possibly even with the Apostle Peter at the same time. Um, and, uh, but he remains steadfast, and he remembers his dear son. This is Timothy, my dear son. He remembers back, and he prays for him and writes him this letter. So who was Timothy? Tim, do you want to stand up? No. <laughs> um, and so Timothy was a young man who, who Paul met on one of his journeys, and uh, from, a, from a young age, he, he followed Paul, and, uh, and he was like a son to him. He might have been in his 20s when he first started traveling with him, and now it's about 15 years later when he writes this letter. So he's probably maybe in his 30s, maybe early 40s at the latest probably. But now he is, he is not just um, like a son to Paul, he's also a close friend and, and a co-worker. Um, the thing about Timothy that we all know, timid Timothy, he was by nature shy, quite reserved, uh, frequently sick, you know, he would have hardly been the guy to, you know, charge into the fray, you know, once more into the breach, dear friends. Like, no, he wouldn't have been anything like that. He would have been, you know, reserved, quiet at the back. And without being too harsh, he kind of reminds me of the, um, <laughs> the, the character at the start of every superhero movie. You know, this kind of slightly awkward, reserved guy. Problem was with Timothy, he never gets bitten by a genetically modified spider. He just kind of... <laughs> His legacy is timid Timothy. That's unfortunately what what sort of happens with him. But instead of becoming a superhero, actually he gets left in Ephesus in a church there in a very difficult situation. Lots of false teachers, lots of trouble going on. And the one guy that Timothy probably would have loved to have been there is locked in a dungeon in Rome. And so this is the advice that Paul gives to Timothy. How's he going to manage this? this prophetic calling that he has. How are you going to manage your prophetic calling that God has spoken over your life? How is this church going to manage the prophetic destiny that it has, despite appearances sometimes? Not, I'm not talking about this church, I'm just talking about Timothy. You know? like how, how is he going to work that out? Well, Paul encourages Timothy to partner with the Holy Spirit and to be strong in the Word. And so that's the two things that I want to look at this morning. It's these twin values of Word and Spirit that are are really part of our DNA in this church, actually. We love the Holy Spirit. We're charismatic in that sense, you know, moving in the gifts of the Spirit, relying on His help and strength. We're also people of the Word. We love truth and good doctrine and Scripture, and actually, really, they go hand in hand. And even Scripture itself is breathed out by God, really. I don't see how you can split the two in that sense. But we love the Word, and we love the Holy Spirit. Um, So that's what we're going to look at um, now. So we'll look at a couple of verses and work our way through it and uh, see what we can learn. Cool? So, oh, there's a photograph of Paul and Timothy. Um, yeah, it's a word and spirit. Man, I'm really behind on my slides, sorry. Okay, so this first one here. He says, for this reason, for all the good, because of all the good stuff that God's done in your life, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Another translation I like says, God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. That is, that's what um, Paul says to Timothy. 
So let's walk through Paul's counsel for our young Timothy. First of all, he says, fan into flame the gift of God. Let's just hang on that phrase, gift of God. What's he talking about here? Well, Paul's saying to Timothy, look, you've had good people around you, you've had good support, but you can't rely on that for too much longer. Not what's not around you, yeah, it's good, but what has God put in you? Ask yourself the question, what is the gift that God has put in you? You see, Ephesians 4, 1 Corinthians 12, uh, Romans 12 as well, there's lists in Scripture where Paul explains that as believers, the Holy Spirit dwells in us, which is a truth in itself. It's an amazing truth in itself. He lives in us. I was driving home the other day, I was like, wow, God dwells in me by the Holy Spirit. That's actually pretty cool, you know? Like, and, then you, and then someone swerves in front of you, ah, get out the way, honk, honk, honk. Oh, hang on, So God dwells in me by the Holy Spirit. A power, love, and self-control, you know? Like, um, but God dwells us, in us by the Spirit, and he gives us particular gifts and strengths. And we are called to exercise those gifts, not for your own benefit, but for the benefit of those around you, for the body of Christ. And so it's like Paul saying to Timothy, yeah, look, we can all see your weaknesses, but what strength has he put in you? What has he gifted you by his Holy Spirit? What has he given to you? Focus on that. Now, there are lots of different gifts um, that the Bible talks about. The prophetic, serving and helping people, generosity, hospitality, leadership, evangelism, wisdom, healing. I mean, they're pretty much all on display this morning alone, aren't they, when you think about it? Um, I don't think these lists, me personally, I don't think they're exhaustive. I mean, uh, I think creativity is a wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit. Exodus 31, there's a guy called uh, Bezalel who is filled with the Spirit to make artistic designs and crafts. And that's a wonderful gift, isn't it? Uh, For Timothy, it was probably the gift of teaching, you know, sharing scripture, showing Jesus in the Bible. Paul says to Timothy, you have known this word of God since childhood. Uh, he says, devote yourself to, the, to reading of scripture, preaching, teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given to you through prophecy. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, he says, be a worker rightly handling the word of God. So to me, I think Timothy's spiritual gift was probably the gift of teaching and sharing the word of God with people. And so Paul says that's exactly what you need right now, is to nurture and grow that gift. Don't neglect it, devote yourself to it. The second line, uh, that second, the first half, sorry, it says, okay, you have a gift, that's cool, but fan it into flame. Fan it into flame. What that means is you don't get given a mature gift of the Spirit on day one. It's like a seed, it's like embryonic in form. God implants something in you but you've got a, you have a responsibility to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and fan it into flame. Now, I went to Bunnings the other day, and I went up to the garden guy, and I said to him, hey, can I please have a trellis like this big, and can it come with uh, you know, a big vine full of sweet peas uh, ready to pick? No, that just doesn't happen, does it? No, no. He gives you, he gives you a little packet, and then you devote yourself to the growth of this thing. You plant it, you know, in, in, your, in your kitchen first, and then you wait for it to sprout, and when it's, when it's strong enough to, you know, battle the elements, and you go and you plant it in the garden, and 
you know, you're, you're there with your kids, you know, like, get out of the way, I'm trying to make this, you know, like, and, and, you, and you're putting a little trellis out, and if you're anything like me, you'll sort of go out and sing it lullabies at night, and, you know. Well, you, you devote yourself to the growth of these plants, don't you? It's exactly the same with the spiritual gift. It is a gift, but you've got to do something with it. You've got to fan it into flame. You have a responsibility. He has made you a responsible individual and gives you gifts, and then says, now you go and nurture it in partnership with the Spirit. Now, to carry on my garden analogy, there is a cat who prowls around the neighborhood who loves to dig, poop, and destroy. (laughs) And so you have to contend for your garden as well, don't you? You've got to put a net over it. You've got to give that cat a boot when it comes... No, like, you've got to get a dog. You know, you've got to chase it away. No, you have to contend for it, don't you, Dally? You've got to contend for it. And, uh, and that's important as well. So I'm out there and I'll get, you know, get a net, cover it over, make sure the cat doesn't come at night. Devote yourself to the growth of this gift. So whatever your gift is, you've got to do it. There's one verse somewhere, I think it might be the Romans list, it says, if your gift is leading, then lead. If it's teach, then teach. It's very practical, isn't it? You know? If you have a gift, then go and do that thing. It's not, if you have a leadership gift, then hide away. No, if it's lead, leading, then you go and lead. So practice it. Read about it. Pray it through with God. What does this mean? You know, where do you want me to use this gift? Stretch out of your comfort zone. I mean, you were saying you were leading some people on the street. You know? I mean, how comfortable does that feel for you now, even after you know, a few years of doing that, do you feel comfortable doing that? No? <laughs> it's, it's uncomfortable. You stretch yourself in these things, don't you? Good stuff? Yeah. Alright, so next one, and after that little encouragement to kick the cat. Um, here, this next one here. This gift is in you through the laying on of my hands. I find this kind of an odd phrase, but I think there's some good things in there. I think, first of all, there's a prophetic aspect to this verse. I think it implies that at some point, Paul laid hands on Timothy... I'm thinking maybe at his baptism as a young 20-something-year-old, and prophesied and called out gifting in Timothy that wasn't yet evident for people to see. You know? He's just like, I'm just Peter Parker waiting for my spider. And Paul's like, no, you are a man of God. God's put this in you. Now fan it into flame. And so he called it out. So prophecy is actually a critical gift for a healthy church, isn't it? Because it calls into being something that people can't yet see, but that God knows he's implanted in you. It's very important. And we know that the early church honored the prophetic. I mean, the thing about Acts, they're going one way, the book of Acts, and Paul's like, hey guys, stop, 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 stop. Uh, I think we're going to go this way. Oh, why is that, Paul? Oh, I had this dream last night. Oh, you had a what? You had a dream. Yeah, yeah, we're going this way, Macedonia. They said I needed to come and help them instead. So... Yeah, yeah, all right, off we go. They change directions, don't they? Or, uh, or think about Timothy. There's, there's um, this church in Ephesus. Is, you know, it's, it's in a bit of trouble. Hey, let's put Timothy there. Timothy, are you sure you want to put Timothy there? Why don't we call up Peter instead or something? No, Timothy's the man. Why? Well, he has a prophetic calling over him as a, for a teaching gift. He needs to be there right now. They honored the prophetic so much so that they did things despite appearances sometimes. And that's why we honor the prophetic too. So when Lawrence comes up and shares a prophetic word, we are listening, we are responding. Uh, And other words that we have as well, we honor the prophetic. So what prophetic words have been spoken over you? Is it time to revisit them? 
is there, a, is there a prophetic word over your life and you're like, well, that's just, maybe he got it wrong. <laughs> well, well, maybe, or maybe it's time to fan into flame this seed, this gift of God. The second thing I see about this laying on of hands is that we discover gifting by being amongst other Christians. It required Paul, Pete, uh, sorry, what's his name, Timothy, it's like I'm naming my kids again. It required Timothy to be in a group of disciples praying over him, hands laid. It was in the body that he realized, oh, this is my gifting. They must have recognized something in him as well. So I would say a couple of bits of advice. Don't isolate yourself. Don't say, well, this is my gifting over here. I don't know what the rest of the church is doing. And also don't self-diagnose. You know, well, this is my gifting. No, no, just, just serve, do what you enjoy, do what gives you energy as opposed to what drains you, and then let other people call it out and encourage you in it. But what that means for everyone who lands in the other people category is that we need to encourage one another. The extent to which we encourage one another is the extent to which we're going to grow in our giftings as a church. So if we're not encouraging one another, hey, guess what? We're not going to be calling out gifting in each other. And so my challenge, my homework for you is, hey, once a week, once a day maybe, call out one person and encourage them. Just tell them one thing. It's really easy to give, but it's very richly received, isn't it? And so it's important. It can be prophetic encouragement. It could be just good old-fashioned encouragement. Wow, you did really well at that. Well done. Keep going. You know, Paul himself owed his whole ministry to a friend named Barney who believed in him when no one else did. It wasn't an imaginary friend either. It was a, a real-life friend. <laughs> so moving on, um, God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. I think what Paul is saying to Timothy here is don't partner with the spirit of fear. When you step out in your gifting, 2020, don't partner with the spirit of fear. Don't do it. Romans 8 teaches us that the opposite of a spirit of fear is the spirit of what? Yeah, adoption, the spirit of adoption as sons, of love, isn't it? That we are God's children. And that's why as a church we all talk about identity. Like, what's identity? You know, what are you talking about there? Well, what we're talking about, knowing we are God's children and being secure in that love. And knowing that that is our foundation and not the gifting or the calling that he encourages us into. Our foundation is knowing we are God's beloved child. Uh, We had um, Evelyn's first dance recital yesterday. She's done one term of dancing in Upper Hutt at at, at, um, Anita's Dance Academy, I think it's called. And uh, so she had had this (laughs) 23, 4, 5-year-old kids up on the stage and it was just adorable and hilarious all at the same time. It was so cute. I was like struggling back tears and, and they're all going this way and they're bumping into each other. And, but you know what? Like, despite the fact that she has some fanning into flame to do with her, with her creative gift, you might say, I'm just proud as punch as a dad. Honestly, I was like, well, I just feel like I'm going to cry. You know, like it, was, it was such a proud dad moment. I wasn't critiquing her performance. All right? I wasn't saying, well, you got that wrong. I was saying, that's my daughter. And I want to encourage her in her gifting, in her expression. She's a very expressionate girl, isn't she? I want to encourage her in that gifting. Well, <laughs> as a child of God, you want to live in that security, that dad is proud of me 
not for my performance, but just because I'm his child. And I will keep pressing in. I have nothing to be fearful about because my dad loves me. And with that foundation, hey, Timothy, you've got nothing to be afraid of. So don't partner with the spirit of fear. I was thinking about this a little bit as I do, and this fear seems, I would say, perhaps is the opposite of power, love, and self-control. Think about this, right? Fear robs us of power. Because when we cooperate with fear, we take a lie and we empower it. And that becomes our truth. So we don't reach out and pray for someone because we have this, this lie that says God won't use me. That is now my truth. It robs me of power. Probably not going to see anyone healed when you're, when you're believing that lie, aren't you? Because you just won't pray for anybody. So don't partner with fear because it robs you of power. Timid Timothy, you know, oh, they won't listen to me. <laughs> it's like, yes, they will. You've got the word of God. It's powerful. Go for it. Fear and love are opposites. I mean, fear and love cannot be roommates, can they? They cannot coexist. The Bible says fear is cast out by love. So, Timothy, don't be fearful of people. Don't be harsh with them. Correct and rebuke them, but motivated by a spirit of love. And think about self-control. When, <laughs> when I don't step out and pray for someone, I'm not controlling myself. Fear is controlling me. And I don't want to be controlled by fear. I want to be controlled by myself moved in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't like make you a puppet and go along with things. He, 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 require, he, he moves in and through you, but it's still you doing the work, isn't it? So self-control, not fear control. Paul says to Timothy, partner with the Holy Spirit not with the spirit of fear, Timothy, because God didn't give you that spirit. Who wants to partner here with a spirit that didn't come from God? Anyone keen for that? Not really, eh? Ugh. No, we partner with the Holy Spirit who gives us power, love, and self-control. So we want to be people of the spirit. That's the first thing. Good? All right, next one. We want to be people of the word. I'm doing all right for time. I'm going to look at a few verses here, but the one thing that I want us to see here is this. As disciples, we are set apart for purpose, for good works, as we let the truth of God's word shape us. As we let God's word impact our thinking, we are set apart to do good things. As we are equipped with his way of thinking, his kingdomly mindset, we are equipped for good works. We are equipped to go into the world and do good things for his purposes. So let's see how we'll get there. Second Timothy chapter 2. Oh, we already was there, sorry. In a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use and some for dishonorable. If anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy. Useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. One of the little masters in our house, Master Toby, he is learning about different household items at the moment. All right? And some things he knows that are good, and some things he knows are not so much. Right? So if he sees his bottle or his high chair, I mean, that is good news, right? 
It's like, get in my belly. You know, like he's going to get fed. It's good stuff. If he is upset or he's going to go to bed, he has, you know, kids have little comfort toys, you know. Like, I've got my teddy. You, got, you know what you guys know? He, well, Toby has a sloth. It's hilarious. And it's very gorgeous as well. Big smile. And uh, so that's slothy. If he sees slothy, that's good news for him. That is a good household item. But when he crawls into the toilet, and which is one of his favorite things to do at the moment, and he grabs the scrubbing brush for getting rid of your skitties, and uh, he's waving it around and plunging it in the toilet. I mean, mum and dad are going to go pretty quickly and take it off him and, and close the door, right? Not such a good, you know, a useful household item, but not really one for honorable use, you might say. <laughs> Well, what, what Paul is encouraging Timothy here is he's saying, if you cleanse yourself from what is dishonorable, then you will be set apart as holy, ready for good works. Now, some of us might say, as Christians, aren't we already holy? Aren't we washed clean? I mean, yeah, we are. Through the cross, we are forgiven, we're set free, we are justified, we are sinless, blameless, spotless, all the other lists you can think of, like, we're all of those things. We are eternally secure in our Father's house. All of those are true. But interesting, the context of this verse isn't actually salvation. It's the readying for good works. So this verse is all about how we set apart ourselves for purpose and calling in our life. Because listen to this, it is possible to be a child of God, yet miss the calling that God has for you because of things in your life that are opposing and contrary to the ways of God for you. It is possible to be a disobedient child. It is possible to be absolutely eternally loved and miss out on the thing that he has set you apart for. And so we need to hear this. A helpful verse that I'd like to go to to link this is John 17. None other than Jesus himself, before he goes to the cross, he is praying this earnestly. What's his will for his disciples? He says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. That phrase we looked at before in the household analogy about being set apart as holy, well, that's the word sanctify. The word sanctify means to be set apart for a holy purpose. Not set aside, you know, waiting for the rapture. No, 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 set set apart. For a holy purpose. I want to give you another analogy to hopefully unpack this whole idea about salvation and sanctification. Imagine you're at a banquet. I found myself at a banquet a little while ago. Um, St. Mary of the Angels Church had just, we just spent two years earthquake strengthening it, and they had a fundraising banquet. And it is a beautiful church. And uh, the thing is, this was, it was an expensive banquet. I mean, the Prime Minister at the time was there, lots of MPs, important business people. And I'm like, don't know if I should be here. <laughs> don't know if I should be here. But um, I had spent two years up to that point, ripped pants, high-vis vest, hard hat on, concrete all over me, dust, you know. You know, you know <laughs> like, so what did I need to do? I need to have a, a wash. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I need to get some new clothes. All right, did I pay for them? No. <laughs> um, so I find myself there, nice tux, uh, you know, three-piece suit, looking sharp, um, you know, hair slicked back, um, nice shower. <laughs> yeah, I just keep slicking for like an hour, and then this happened, you know, like. 
No. Um, I found myself there. Now that, I would argue, is not sanctification. That is justification. It's being in a moment, in a flash of lightning, you are adopted, you are washed clean. The cross is, you know, Jesus' death is, has made you whole and righteous. You, are, you have a new suit on. You belong at the banquet. The way I think about sanctification is more like learning to act in a manner worthy of the occasion. But more than that, not just learning which fork I should use now so I can get along with all the fancy people at the table. No, no, actually... I'm to act in a manner worthy of the occasion because I'm, I need to realize I'm at the dinner for a purpose. I am there for a purpose. I need to celebrate the occasion. I need to honor the efforts of the team. I'm to go around and thank the donors who have worked tirelessly like I have for the last couple of years. I am to meet and greet and network. You know, I, I'm there for a purpose. Now, if I got my tie and put it around my head and started dancing on the tables, like, would I be missing out on my purpose? Yeah, I'd be like, who is that guy, you know? Like, or if I drink too much, I'm going to miss out on the purpose, aren't I? That's sanctification, knowing that you are set aside for a purpose that God has given you to do, and he's given you a gift that you might walk in that purpose. And do you know what the word does? It helps prune and shape us that we might act in a manner worthy of the gospel, as Paul says. That we might act in a manner worthy, ready for every good work. So that's why the next scripture, Paul starts talking to Timothy about the Bible, about scripture. If you look at the last line there, do you want to be equipped for every good work? Do you want purpose for your life to walk out God's will for you? Well, then you need training, you need correction, you need teaching, you need rebuking. And how, where does that come from? Scripture, breathed out by God. Scripture, breathed out by the Holy Spirit. Word and Spirit will equip you to be equipped for every good work. The sobering thing is, We don't always let Scripture have the right place in our life. We don't give the Word of God enough time sometimes. Scripture Union Survey, 2017 in New Zealand, pretty recent in our country, 56% of Christians in New Zealand either don't ever read the Bible at all or rarely read it at all. 56%. Now, I bet you 100% of Christians in New Zealand want to walk in the purposes that God has for them in their life. But we need time to marinate and soak in the word and let it prune us. Ouch, 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 ouch. What what are you doing? Ah, you know, the the word is like a sword, it says, that, that, what is it, that goes between bone and marrow. Wow! (laughs) It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. But why? Prune, 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 prune. And what happens after you prune something? Where's the green fingers out there? Boom, yeah. You get growth like you wouldn't believe it. So I'm told, I just get my shares and go... (laughs) I told a lady at work who's, um, you know, like a gardener, I said, oh, did I prune that right? And I, you know, no, I just sort of hacked at it, you know. There is an art to it. 
God has carefully prunes you. He prunes you so that you might bear fruit. But if you're never reading the word, if you're never exposing yourself to that sword, yeah. As disciples, we are set apart for purpose and good works as we let the truth of God's word shape us. We want to be a people of the word, don't we? So this is Paul's counsel to Timothy. Big prophetic calling, timid character, big opposition. Ah, this is what you need, Timothy. Be a man of the spirit and be a man strong in the word. You do those things, you fan that gift into flame, boy. It's like, come on. Don't partner with the spirit of fear. Understand the prophetic words that God has spoken over you, over this church. Walk in power, love, and self-control. And what I, like I said at the start, what I love about this is Paul has walked this out. This is not theory for Paul. He says, I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. And now is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord will award to me. I mean, this is, this, is, this is advice from the finish line. You know, this is the guy cheering you on the sideline who's run 100 marathons before you. This is good fatherly wisdom for you, so much so that it's the inspired word of God. This is wisdom from a loving heavenly father. Partner with my spirit. Be strong in the word and let it shape you. And your prophetic calling will bear fruit. Amen? Let's stand. Father, we want to thank you that you have put good things in us. That we truly are the body of Christ and that you have given us of your spirit and that you equip us, and that you love us as a heavenly Father. Father, I pray now that you will lay on our hearts things that you want us to fan into flame. That prophetic word that, yeah, maybe we say, no, 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 you're saying fan it into flame. Father, I pray for those words that are like, maybe you got that wrong. I don't see any evidence of that. I pray that we would lay it at your feet. Would you stir us afresh, Lord? Lord, I pray for gifting that is laid idle for years. Rekindle it. Lord, help us to stir it, that we might be a mature body, that we might be equipped ready for 2020. Lord, that we might be about your purposes. And Father, I pray that your, that your, your will be done, Lord, on heaven as in earth. Sorry, on earth as in heaven. Like we pray that your kingdom would come. Give us purposes, Lord, to walk in. Give us the satisfaction of knowing that we are all exactly where we are meant to be. That as a church, we are walking in your will. As, as individuals, we, we are walking in the Father's will. Why don't you just put out your hands? Just put out your hands and say, thank God for what he's put in you. Thank God for his love. 
Thank God that he has designed you for a purpose. And he is calling you to lay things aside in order that you might walk in it.